This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This is On Driven on Joy 94.9, the multicultural show with Mark and Hugh. On Driven represents peace and understanding in our multicultural GLBTIQ community. If you have any comments on the program or would like to ask any questions, you can contact us in the following ways. On Driven on Joy 949 is our Facebook, SMS 0427JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au. In today's show, we're talking to Kwong and Greg, who are partners and also artists. Kwong is from Malaysia and Greg is from country Victoria. We will be talking to them about how they were forced to meet, their art and also their midsummer exhibition. Joy 94.9, this is On Driven with Mark and Hugh, and that was a very dramatic song that we had. <laughs> <laughs> it was indeed. Nice way to kick off the show. It was, it was. Um, and our two guests this week are Kwong and Greg. Now, who would like to tell us about the song? I'll go, go first. Go okay, go on, Kwong. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kwong. Hi, everybody. Uh, I was born in Malaysia, uh, Kotabaru, which is in the east coast of Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, came here in 1986 uh, and pretty much stayed here um, all, all that time, apart from a year that uh, I spent away in uh, England studying. Okay. Um, yeah, so you're stuck with me now. <laughs> Kwong, do you want to tell us what the song was? Oh, that's actually one of uh, Greg's choices. Okay. Yeah, oh, I can tell you about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the song's my fault here. Yeah. Um, Linda Edder, who uh, is singing Man of La Mancha from Don Quixote, and I chose that basically because uh, well, a lot of my history's all been in uh, songs and so- show tunes, and you know, I was a piano bar entertainer for many, many years. Really? And, uh, playing lots and lots of that sort of music, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, that's why I, I decided on that. And also it was one that our lesbian friends just seem to absolutely adore. So, uh, <laughs> Your lesbian friends. Yeah. Our lesbian friends go mad. <laughs> for yeah. that lady yes. I can just imagine a drag queen belting that out absolutely uh, yeah. as well yeah. I love all that stuff all that or- orchestration uh, you know yeah. like heavy orchestration mm. or anything musical like that's great yeah. okay. <laughs> so Kwong you were talking about Malaysia where you're from Mm-hmm. Where about in Malaysia? Uh, in Kota Baru which is uh, in Kelantan state uh, in the east coast not many people would uh, go to the east coast these days 
Why um, not? Well, it's pro- uh, oh, actually, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, it's um, it's probably not the the most popular destination. Uh, it's it's uh, quite um, there's a lot of Muslim there, and not not that that's a problem, but uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure. So when when um, most people think of Malaysia, they think of KL. So how f- how far away from KL is it, for example? Oh, completely the other side. KL is on the west coast, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, uh, Penang and Ipoh, which is where I grew up mostly. I was born in uh, the east coast, but then we moved uh, when I was two years old back to the west coast. Right. Yeah. Now you mentioned that there's a high population of Muslims. Mm-hmm. Is Muslim the the country's religion? Or? Yes, the national religion. So what percentage, Muslim, Christian, or what other religions do they have? Probably uh, 50, 60% um, you know, Malays, uh, and they're all Muslims. Oh, okay. Um, there might be a few um, you know, Chinese uh, or Indian, uh, you know, of Indian ethnicity who became um, you know, Islamic yes. Muslims uh, by choice. Yeah. Are you Muslim yourself? No, I'm a Buddhist. Oh, okay. Yes. So what proportion of people in your country would be Buddhist? Oh, actually, I haven't... Uh, I, I don't quite know We're that. Testing but, you uh, on all this. Testing know. me. Mm, well, well, then again, you know, you have Richard Gere and people like that being <laughs> Buddhist. So yeah. these days it's quite hard to, t- quite hard to say. But definitely less than, you know, less than... 40 50 percent because because the 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 malays wouldn't be buddhist so it would only be the chinese or perhaps the indians Mm. and you know some other it's a nice religion buddhism is it yeah so it's a kind (laughs) of like i like it it. (laughs) (laughs) make your own version type religion well you have you have your little altar at home don't you and you give thanksgiving to your gods there and light candles and I, I do a little bit uh, because of my mum's influence. Right. I have a little altar, but uh, uh, there's a bit of uh, incense uh, bowl there, but uh, I try not to do it too often because it kind of um, make the wall go a bit <laughs> yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew someone, I knew someone whose parents um, put cigarettes and um, cognac. Yes, oh, yes, really? yes. I remember doing that as yeah. a kid. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's uh, to the ancestors, um, part of the Taoism. Mm. Uh, yes. It yes. said one night we drank the cognac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, had, we, had, we used to have chicken and, you know, fruits and all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were saying that um, where you grew up was uh, in Kota Baru, which is predominantly Muslim. So how come you ended up living in that area? Well, my parents were public servants, Mm -hmm. and as such, uh, they had to move about uh, every three years, uh, so they had no choice. And so... so I think uh, when I was born, uh, we just happened to be there. My father happened to work there. And soon after, yeah, um, he got a, a transfer. So we all moved back to the West Coast. Mm. So when did you come to Australia? 1986, the 3rd of February. Oh. Wow, that's very specific. <laughs> it was what a very time? memorable day. What Can you tell us what time? <laughs> it <laughs> was very early in the morning. <laughs> so why did you come to Australia? I came here to study. Uh, my brother was already here. It was the country of choice because my brother was studying here. Hmm. Um, and yeah, you're right. Uh, we, we, I could have gone to UK or the US, uh, but Australia geographically is a little bit closer to Malaysia. Hmm. And, uh, you know, being a you know, parent's 
pet, so to speak. <laughs>、um, you know, they wouldn't want me to be too far、Ken's、away. Pet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say、uh, mummy's boy, but then I thought, well, what about my dad? He might feel le- le- left, left out. out. <laughs> <laughs> so, what made you、uh, your parents' pet? Oh well, you know, I like to think boy, that I'm the favourite. <laughs> And his brother's not listening. No, so you've only got one brother. <laughs> I've got one other brother. Yeah, and and、so、he's not the pet. He's not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> so let, let's talk to Greg.、Hi. You're sitting there, very quiet, Greg. That's all right. Yeah, get a word in eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background. My background.、Um, I was born in Wangaratta, northeast Victoria.、Um, was there for a few years. Moved to Swan Hill and back to Wangaratta, and couldn't wait to get out of the place. It, so you're、uh, a country boy. Country boy. Yeah. So. I like the country. I just don't like the people that live in it, basically. So I was very glad to get down to to Melbourne to、uh, to go to university. And、um, I guess my biggest fear was thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going to get down there and have to start telling people that I'm gay." And the course I was doing, there was something wrong with you if you weren't. So it was、uh, quite, <laughs> quite an eye-opening experience. What was the、him. course you were doing?、Um, I was doing music and drama at Melbourne State Teachers <laughs> College. <laughs> oh, okay. And you needed to tell people? No. <laughs> <laughs> What did your、uh, parents think about you moving away? Um, I think they were quite happy for me to move because it was a, just a necessity for education to,、mm. uh, at that sort of stage. So I actually moved myself down with a,、uh, all my gear, including a piano in the back of a horse trailer. And、uh, wow. how was, old were you when you moved?、Um, just turned eighteen. Yeah, so I just finished、um, VCE. It was in those days back up in、mm. Wangaratta and.、Uh, Came down to Melbourne, lived with some very hoony guys in a house in、um, in、uh, West Brunswick for a year. Hoony guys, very hoony guys, local guys from up in the country that、uh, that I'd known from beforehand. So,、uh, so how, how did you fit in with sort of? Well, I didn't really fit in with those. Fortunately, I had a little bungalow out the backyard of the house,、right. and、uh, so I ran <laughs> my own life.、Flat. Yeah, granny flat. Yeah, I was in a granny flat already. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll come back to Greg and Kwong's story very soon. Joy ninety four point nine, and you're listening to Mark and Hugh. And today we're talking to Kwong and Greg. So, Kwong, just tell us about that track. Ah, that track. It's called、uh, "Flying Towards the Edge of the World Alone." Wow!、Uh, it's by a couple of、uh, Taiwanese women,、mm-hmm. uh, Wang Xinlian and Zheng Huajun. And、uh, may I、uh, dedicate this song to my best friend who lives in Tex- Dallas, Texas? And hi, Sean.、Uh, <laughs> Sean should be listening. It should be around midnight. Oh,、yeah. really?、Yes. Well, Sean, if you're listening in, send us an e- send us an email in at onair at joy dot org dot au and give us some juicy gossip. <laughs> <laughs> and I chose that track because、uh, of something that he wrote、uh, soon after he left、uh, Malaysia,、mm-hmm. and、um, and by then、uh, I I had already left、uh, Malaysia as well. And he wrote something、uh, that reflected his、um, displacement that he felt、uh, in Ireland. He went、mm-hmm. to Ireland, and it was、uh, it was him、uh, going on a night flight. And when the plane stopped at、uh, Saudi Arabia to refuel,、um, he woke up and saw、um, the woman next door. Uh, you know, next to him,、uh, putting on more、uh, perfume, and it's called Midnight Flight or something. Oh yeah. And anyway, so、uh, it was just uh, uh, quite a you know lonely adventure,、yeah. and I felt a bit like that when I came here. All right. Ah.、Oh. And it's it's a beautiful <laughs> song as well, isn't it? Very very lyrical song. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, considering that it was done in 1987. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, this isn't the first time. Both of you have been on on Ribbon, has it? No, or, no. or Joy anyway. Joy, Joy. Yes, yes. Let's see,、uh, Kwong, you were on on Ribbon a long time ago. Yes, yes. I was here in the、uh, pretty much、uh, near its inception、uh, with Kim. Right.、Uh, must have been 1997 because it was 
just before we met, and I remember I was uh, I was single. So, <laughs> <laughs> or you told them they were. Could it be? Could it be 1997? Because my memory could fail yeah. me. Um, well, Ron Driven actually started run about July '98. Oh, okay. So maybe you're just one year out. Maybe that's okay. how. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, but not a hundred percent certain. But we do know the year. We do know the year. And speaking of that, we've we've got a bit of a special special event coming up at the end of the month. We, we do on the twenty eighth of this month. We will be celebrating five hundred shows. Wow, congratulations! Yeah. So, yeah. Milestone, congratulations! So yeah. um, we're looking forward to that. And we're going to have a two hour show that day. We are mm. going to be having yeah. a two hour show, a bit of a retrospective and listening to some of the. That's right. Clips from previous years, and obviously it hasn't been Hugh and myself in just that time. There's been no, no, lots no. of people involved and lots of people in the team. So I, I don't know how many. Up until the 400th show, we were at 11 presenters. Yeah. Um, so it must be around about 15 now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one a year. That's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just discovered today that um, I've actually been on the show. Just over four years. Really? Wow. wow. Yeah. So, uh, so there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about on the 28th. Is, Did yeah. it ever come back, the, the former host? Don't let him in the um, We had one. <laughs> there's been lots back and forth, yeah. on and off. Yeah, we had <laughs> one host um, who did come back for a little while. How he came back yeah. and joined us, but uh, unfortunately had to depart again. As you know, yeah, work commitments tend to drag people away. They do. They do. But um, it takes a bit of time. Hopefully we sort of stay around for a little bit longer. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, just before we get on with the interview, we had a couple of messages in, so I'd just like to read those out. So um, we've had a message from Caroline and Trish and says, Hi, Kwong and Greg. Looking forward to hearing your stories and to your exhibition. Hi, Caroline. <laughs> Hi, Trish. Uh, so they're listening in Fantastic. live on there. Um, and we've also received one from someone who's anonymous. They've just sent in a message saying about 15 to 20% are Buddhists and 1 to 2% are Christians in presumably Malaysia, that is. Yeah. So there we are. Somebody's Googled it for us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks for doing the homework for us. Yeah, but you should have given us your name so yeah. we can say hello to you. Yeah, indeed. So message back in. And uh, if anyone else wants to listen, uh, send a message in, what's the SMS and email details? Okay, you? SMS or 427-JOIN-949. Um, you can actually call us. Um, Jess and Heath are on reception. Uh, 1300, join 949, or send us an email if you're sitting at your computer on air at joy.org.au. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Now, so back to, back to the uh, stories, hey? Back to the story. Yeah. Now, Kwong, what was it you spoke about then? Was it your life on, you were talking about in Nondrum? Oh, uh, I came on with um, a good friend, Richard, and uh, we were here. I think the theme was uh, two, uh, you know, gay Asian men, you know, living in Melbourne. Uh, what, what what was it like? Um, mm. Yeah, that sort of thing. Because then, I suppose in 98, if it was 98, there, there wasn't as many Asians in, Amer- in Melbourne then. No. Yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays we've got all the students and everything else, but then... We were special then. <laughs> you were special. <laughs> now we're everywhere. <laughs> Competition's keen. Oh, you're still special, Kwong. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and what about you, Greg? Now, you were on Joy. 
Yeah, right back from the very beginning. I can remember when um, guys used to actually bring their own little mixing desks in from from home to put in, you know, so that they could actually do the show. And then, okay. and then if there was a hissy fit thrown in any direction, that would be packed up very quickly and taken <laughs> away again. <laughs> but um, so was that when uh, Joy was? Part-time? Yes, it was only on a few hours uh, over the weekends, yeah. So um, what did you actually do? Well, I'd written a, a written and produced a, a radio play called Vigilantes and Panties, which went to air. <laughs> it was 10-minute uh, episodes uh, and 10 episodes. So, uh, And a couple of guys picked that up and put it on their shows every week. So that was great fun. I, I dragged all my friends in to act out the parts. We'd have a big booze up in a barbie at my place and record an episode sort of once a week. Oh, okay. It was great fun, yeah. So this was in the South Melbourne studios? Yes. Yes, yeah, way back at the way back in the start. The yeah. luxury South Melbourne. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you got yeah. three people in the studio, you were you were in a sauna. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's other stories there, I presume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for for the um, the radio play, did you just do that as a one-off, or did um, you? I'd written things? I'd written actually a, a second series, but it didn't go to air for some sort of political argy-bargy <laughs> that was going on at Joy FM at the time. There were quite a few loud voices going around. People trying to sort out who was going to do what so uh-huh. uh, it sort of got to a point where it wasn't worth uh, continuing but yeah. all the scripts are up in the roof of the house in uh, Henry Street Windsor somewhere I think at the okay. moment so all right. oh, somebody might find them one day. Out of course yeah. in, in those days Joy was finding its feet and yes, yeah. being, getting established and and everyone, as now, was a volunteer. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, to keep a radio station going with volunteers, and especially at the very beginning, must have been a very hard job. Quite volatile too, I think. Yeah, you know, mm. a lot of egos and people all trying their best and, and yeah. trying to do everything they could. So, so how yeah, long were you actually time. involved with Joy? Well, I. I only really ended up doing that, which was a little bit like we were working outside of Joy and then just bringing those things in to the people. So I went to a few annual annual general meetings and things, and but I didn't uh, end up being too much involved because I actually then went off and I was conducting the Melbourne Gay and Lesbian Choir, which was called All Sounds at that stage. Uh, okay. So I was fairly busy uh, with that. and. It was a sort of time when nearly every second person we knew was um, dropping dead from AIDS, unfortunately. So it was a pretty volatile time and people Mm. were fairly... This was, you know, 20 years ago, so it was... uh yeah, I think we were all sort of nuts, really, when you look back on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sounds like some good experiences. Yes, yes, yeah, some pretty amazing people, some great people. Well, we'll come back to Greg and Quonk's story very soon. Joy 94.9, this is On Dribbon with Mark and Hugh. And we have two guests today. One is Quong and one is Greg, who are actually a couple as well. <laughs> um, now, who picked the last song? I, I picked this one as well. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, we, we did split the number of uh, songs uh, just that uh, Greg's choice uh, had a bit work. of a technical problem. <laughs> we did, yeah. So I did pick this one. Uh, this is from... Why uh, have you got a smile over your face? <laughs> <laughs> I have man, so many songs to share. So. We, normally yeah. listen, we normally always listen to his music, but I love it, cause even though I can't understand the lyrics. You know, they're yeah. just such beautiful melodies. That, and that one was, again, another beautiful lyrical song, wasn't it? Is, is brand new, uh, only came out end of last year mm-hmm. uh, by uh, a veteran mainland Chinese singer, uh, Na Ying, mm-hmm. um, and uh, produced by a Singaporean um, talented singer-songwriter, Tanya Chua. Okay. And so it's a very, very new sound for Na Ying. So uh, it's made it to my personal 
uh, best uh, or most listened to uh, albums of 2011. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you sound like a bit of a music buff, the, the, all this music you're listening to, and you're, you're really keen to play music when I was talking to you beforehand. You were excited about being able to play some stuff. You know, I have agonized over the choice of <laughs> our songs today for days. You know, there were so many that I wanted to play. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough when we say, right, there's li- we can only fit four or five songs in. It's like, oh, no. That's it. We limit you. We limit yeah. you. <laughs> so, now, um, before we go on, we've got a message here um, Greg and I were at Melbourne State College studying music and we taught a lovely high school in Mordialic together oh, good Greg. he conducted All Sounds the predecessor of the Gay and Lesbian Chorus and I was the president of the Rainbow Band and that's from Julie Leder. Leder, yes oh. Julie a very good friend of mine at the time we taught together uh, uh, yeah, we shouldn't. I, did we mention the school? Did she mention the school? Maybe yeah. we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just a lovely anyway, high school in, in High school in Mordialic. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, great okay. to hear from you, Julie. Yeah, well, that's very nice, well. Julie. Thank Fantastic. you. Come um, to our um, exhibition. Can I say that? <laughs> 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 Probably not. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we, we've got another one from S and T. But uh, yes. Oh, so yes. Thanks for them. <laughs> now. Let's talk to you, Kwong, mm-hmm. about coming out. Wow. <laughs> and must, the year was 1991, I believe, I think. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I was here. I was here. Uh, final year of my law school. I, I met someone um, and we won't go there as to how we met. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I came out um, about uh, a month after that. Now, I heard, though, you actually lived with a woman for five years. Yes, that's true, too. Uh, yes, I, I had a girlfriend. I know you're then. trying to skip that bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm quite happy to share. Uh, yes, I had a girlfriend uh, uh, in law school. Uh, so we were together for five years. And um, I, I guess coming out uh, to myself was the big step. Coming out to the world was the easy part. So it took me a long, long time um, to stop fooling myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So, yeah. So when you moved from uh, Malaysia to Melbourne, were you aware at that point? No, I, I think I did such a good job in you know, shutting my mind um, you know, to that part of me. Uh, and I was just burying myself in books and you know, academic um, pursuits. Um, yeah, it never quite came up. Okay. What about you, Greg? Well, I grew up in uh, Wangaratta, as I said, country Victoria, back in the 60s and 70s, so it was a pretty rough place to be. I think I always knew uh, that I certainly didn't have any interest in girls, um, and but it was certainly something that you kept to yourself. Like, you knew that it was never something in that country you Victoria, say, yes, you, so would, you would yeah. never say anything. And like I said, when I came to Melbourne and found out that the course I was doing, there was something wrong with you if you weren't going. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, quite a fantastic experience, really. So but, was, uh, was part of coming to Melbourne to get away from sort of that, that well, culture? Well, it or? was to study. And uh, for me, it was just I was so thankful that I'd actually passed my BCA and could come. To, <laughs> cause I was actually had myself enrolled for the police force if I didn't get into uni. And it was oh. like, oh, I can't imagine what that would have been like. You know, police force. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did you 
sort of eventually come out because you were quite late in coming oh, out. Oh, well, right? no, I was only, I was mentioning to Mark the other day that I, I didn't actually come out to my parents until I was about 30, but uh, in terms of everything else I was doing in my life, because they still lived in the country, it was sort of like a matter of, uh, you know, the people that I still knew up there didn't know what my life was, but everybody else did, you know. Mm. Uh, so that, uh, And I only really came out to them at a point where, at 30 years of age, I suppose, I was. Uh, it looked like I was going to be in a relationship with somebody and uh, it was just a point of thinking, well, this person's going to be in my life. In fairness to them, if I'm going to have anything to do with my parents, they need to be aware mm-hmm. that this person is part of my life. So uh, that was probably the first time that I really uh, had to deal with it, you know, in terms mm. of... Uh, that I suppose picture. if you were in the city and they're in the country, you were separated enough Absolutely, to, to have yeah. a separate life. But yeah, definitely. it's like... Lit- it's like having two lives, isn't it? Well, it, it, to a point, except like I only went up to the country maybe three times a year for a weekend, you know, mm. so it wasn't exactly like a, a big problem, you know, in yeah. terms of having to live a double and, life. And did style. you get the pressure from where's your girlfriends and all that sort of thing? Uh, no, I think everybody was pretty aware of what was going on <laughs> when I look back at it. Yeah, there, never any, there were some questions probably from um, maybe my parents' friends, you know, mm-hmm. about that sort of thing, but they seemed to give up on asking those questions <laughs> after a while as well. So. How did your parents take it? Very, very well, yeah. Um, I actually wrote to them, and that might sound like a really feeble thing to do, but I was advised at the time it's a great idea because it actually gives them time to think about it and deal with it and process it. Uh, in a you know in their own manner, mm. and I just got a really nice phone call from my dad and uh, uh, saying, "Look, we're just worried about the age thing, you know, mm-hmm. as everybody was, I suppose, at the time. At the time, uh, yeah. And I just sort of said, "Look, you don't have to worry about that. You know, we're aware of it and what to do. Um, so, yeah, everything was just fantastic from that sort of point on, which was quite a surprise and really just very very nice. Yeah. What about you, Kwon? Uh, to, to my parents, mm. uh, that wasn't hard. Uh, I actually ambushed them a little bit. So, oh, hi, mom, <laughs> hi, dad. I think they are listening to in Malaysia. Um, <laughs> I came out to them uh, on uh, uh, on their trip uh, to you know here to visit me for my graduation. Mm. And on the second last day of their stay, I I came out to them one night, and my mom like had a whole you know <laughs> two hours full of questions <laughs> while my dad pretended to read the papers, and, uh, <laughs> but just eavesdropping all the way through. Mm. Yeah, and uh, but it only took my mum like overnight to accept the whole thing, and probably took my dad, you know, a good six or seven months of silence, and then he, you know, mm. uh, acknowledged it. But uh, but on the day that they left, which is like two days later, uh, my dad said something very very sweet, and for coming from my dad, it meant a lot to me. And he said, uh, uh, now that I know that uh, you know you you uh, you will be able to look after yourself and you'll be happy uh you know i'm i'm going to be happy too so something very very vague yeah, like that yeah. yeah but it was an acknowledgement what about your brother my brother uh you know i uh, unfortunately hi peter hi pauline i think if they're listening um <laughs> they uh, we we're not very close i think we we were a bit distant you know because of the geographical um distance and uh and and he's always been you know in a country different from mine and uh so coming out to him, I think it was a bit indirect initially through mm. my parents. Mm. But um, yeah, no, they are very accepting of us. Okay. Well, we'll come back to Greg and Kwong's story very soon. Joy 94.9, and you're listening to Orange Ribbon today, and we're talking to Kwong and to Greg. So Kwong, we went uh, down a bit of a French route that time. So tell us about that. 
Yes, uh, when I was uh, working in London in 1999 for five months, um, I went across uh, the English Channel to uh, Paris quite a lot. And uh, during one of those trips, I um, I discovered Lara Fabian, a Quebecois, um, French speaking, and uh, I think she sings in English as well. So love her. She's a belter. I think there's a bit of bel- belter in me as well. <laughs> really, <laughs> in my fantasy. <laughs> so just love her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, it was a nice song. It had a bit of um, Celine Dion about it. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Apparently, uh, because of Celine's kind of uh, hiatus, mm-hmm. she, she got quite big worldwide, oh, except really? for the US. She hasn't cracked that market yet. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about you two, because mm-hmm. we've spoke to you individually. <laughs> let's get the spotlight. Let's the spotlight. get the spotlight, get yes. Uh, now, you've been together for 14 years. Yes. So, But I read somewhere that you were forced to meet by a mutual friend we sort of were yeah at the time um we had a mutual friend who had i think it took him about 12 months it was he did sort of introduced the idea of each other to us and but we just hadn't met and uh you know kong wasn't either where he'll tell you why but uh, i was you know trying to find a husband and looking around the wrong people <laughs> i suppose so uh it was quite a while before we actually agreed to meet and, and i was thinking oh i don't really want to meet a lawyer you know i spend the rest of my life arguing and, uh, <laughs> and i thought uh, that he had said that he didn't want to meet a musician but uh i'm not sure whether that's 100 percent. his name is joe and it uh, he might be listening hi joe hi, hi peter joe. <laughs> yes so um so how did you meet well, uh, eventually the the coast was clear, so I actually got on my little push bike and rode round to Kwong's flat. And uh, the great story I like telling about that is arriving on the at the door and uh, ringing the doorbell, and he opened the door, and I thought, oh, it's got to be the flatmate. It's got to be some hideous thing inside there that's waiting to meet me. But there was no one else in the flat. It was just his gorgeous okay. Now, fourteen years together, mm-hmm. but you don't live together. No, we've never lived together. We uh, the only time we're living together is when we go away on holidays and surprise. Surprisingly, that all works really, really nicely. Yeah. So, so why have you never actually got together in your living arrangements? A um, couple of things. Once, one, I had two dogs. Kwong had two cats. Uh, we, I up early in the morning, go to bed early. Kwong's up a bit later, stays up until two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I guess there's just yeah, a lot of things in terms of how we live our lives that are uh, that are very, very different. And mm. I think we we both think that. Uh, it just never would have worked if we had been under the same roof. Yeah, it, may, yeah. it may eventually, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Who knows? Yeah. We, we, the only, um, uh, you know, uh, practical uh, steps that we, we've taken, we, uh, we move very close together. I right. think we used to be about 15 minutes away. Now we're only four or five minutes away. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like uh, in the neighborhood. I think we were looking for uh, two houses in the same street for mm. a while. And, um, and then when, and it was very hard to, you know, in houses in Melbourne are usually sold by auction. Mm. So it's not really within your control to buy right. two places That's in right. the same street. So when he bought uh, where he's now, I tried, but uh, that area became um, sort of out of my league. So when I bought, uh, I, I bought in the next suburb right uh, yeah right. so it's okay. not too bad we got a message from um sean oh hi sean oh, now he's asking you both a question oh, yeah. now this is optional <laughs> you do not have to answer this question <laughs> but sean wants to know how old you are 
Ah, oh, I'm quite happy to tell him that. Yeah. I'm 44. Right, and I'm 53. Okay, so there you are, Sean. Um, he thinks that the story will be better if we know the age. Ah, oh, oh, okay. Put, put into perspective their experiences as they moved to Melbourne. There you go. So, well, he should have worked it out from my talking about, you know, the 60s and yeah. the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and he also says that Lara Fabian is awesome. Oh, yeah, so. great. I'm glad he liked it. <laughs> there you go. Some Dales likes it. Yes. <laughs> so just, just getting back to the two of you. So you live separately. So what's it like when you go on holiday together and you're sort of forced to live in a, in a hotel room together or something like it's that? It's great, actually. Yeah. It just works really, really nicely. It's mm-hmm. The only pity is we don't do uh, more of it. <laughs> okay. I think it would have been okay if uh, we didn't, uh, like, we, we don't work. Yeah. Because because uh, for me, uh, I, I, I'm quite uh, self-centered uh, when I have to work. When I come home, I just wanted to do my thing at the time that I want to do them. Instead of being kind of restricted because there's another person that you need to... Mm. Uh, so it works for us mm-hmm. because of that. And we're That's both very spoiled. We've got we've both got really huge houses. They're both full, and you know <laughs> we have our own studio each in our own house. We have our own gym in our own house. You know we've got. Uh, it's a very very luxurious thing. Yeah, That's sounds good, good to me. <laughs> <laughs> and if it works, then do it. Now, Greg, you're the musician. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about your work as a musician. Um, I suppose I, I started playing uh, professionally, if you could call it that, uh, at least for getting money from other people, uh, when I was about 16. So uh, a good 30 years or more of, uh, of playing uh, in different bands and, uh, and then working as a, a piano bar entertainer. Um, I, my last sort of big gig, I suppose, was on board the Spirit of Tasmania for four years and uh, sailing in the seas. And how was that? It was very interesting. I was amazed at how many international people actually travel on that thing but it was also interesting because you could be on such an angle in the water <laughs> and, and, and sometimes you'd be splashing up and down so much in the sea that the piano would be rattling so much I wouldn't have a clue where to put my fingers <laughs> and I always used to play um, the theme from um, Titanic for my very last song every no night and I'd just say to people you know look just something for you to hum as you go to bed <laughs> Did you ever get seasick? Only once when I saw a whole family of people throw up in front of me Okay, because yeah. I'm not a, a sailor at all. Right. Yeah. You know. And do they throw up because of your music? Or was oh, well, it I, well, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never thought about that. You've just ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> and are you musical, Kwong? Uh, I love singing. I, I uh, learned the classical guitar for about three years. Uh, I'm, I can't read music very well. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm, I think I, I can say I'm so musical. Karaoke mix. Karaoke <laughs> queen. <laughs> <laughs> now, just to take it a little step further, both mm-hmm. of you are artists, so yes, you paint. We do indeed, yes. Yeah. I, learnt, I started painting because of a disease in my hands which stopped me from playing piano and music, um, so I had to do something else. And Kwong uh, had dabbled in painting on and off for quite a while and when he got back into it a bit more and we started visiting lots of galleries I'd always just thought look I could never paint or draw or anything but under his encouragement I gave it a go and uh, and here we are now about uh, nearly four years later and with our first exhibition coming up coming up how did you get into painting Kwong? I've always painted I think uh, in in uh, primary school, uh, my my uh, I, I I had a subject which is uh, art, and my mum would coach me. Uh, that was more watercolor, and then later on, uh, here I was experimenting with you know oil and acrylics and all mm. that, uh, and I just find it quite meditative uh, outside of work. 
to right, paint. Right. And uh, but really, I I started uh, painting in a big way about ten years ago, uh, just at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what sort of style of painting? Figurative uh, and uh, realistic. Um, so a lot of people painting a lot of people, uh, but I'm getting into a, a darker direction more oh, and really? more. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> my, stuff, my stuff's getting a little bit more out there and it's a little bit more fantastic, I suppose. Yeah, but still figurative works, but yeah. I like putting um, people with not a lot of clothing on in a lot of very strange situations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you copy each other a little bit? Or? I don't think so. I think our styles, like, as I say, I started off under Kwong's guidance, uh, but it was, uh, you know, very soon started to try and... You've got to find your own way and your own... Um, you know, I look at his things and I think, oh, I wish I could paint like that, you know. <laughs> other times I look at something I've done and think, oh, well, that's not bad either, you know. So mm. uh, you've, you've just got to find your own, your own way. So yeah. how much time, Kwong, would you spend on a painting? Uh, well, uh, when I was working part-time, four days, I, I would spend like a whole day painting. Um, and apart from all the domestic chores that uh, we all have <laughs> to do, mm. weekends I would, I would paint into the wee hour of the morning. Um, yeah, a bit of Scottish there, Con. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> well, I have been to uh, Scotland. <laughs> okay, okay. And what about you, Greg? Um, you? Basically, every day. So I was made redundant during last year, which is another hour show to talk about. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've only been working part time for the last four or five years because that's all I've had to do. And um, uh, yeah, so basically every day I have, I'm painting for a little okay. while. Okay, we'll come back to Kwong and Greg's story very soon. On Driven on Joy 94.9, and we are talking to Greg and Kwong, and we were talking about art and uh, the, the type of paintings that you do. And um, what what's the, the push behind you to stand there all day just doing a painting? Oh, <laughs> that's the last one. The hard one. That's yeah. a very hard question. Yeah. Uh, it is meditative when you're doing it. It's um, it like a, even when I was involved in music, the thing I loved about it, and the same with art, is that it's just never ending. You, there's always going to be something to learn. There's always something to discover. There's always, you know, some uh, some technical problem to overcome, and and there's the joy of of something when it's finished. It's just fantastic. And how about choosing your, your subject or your, the style of that particular painting? You know, well, we, we haven't been able to afford uh, to pay for models and we've encouraged a few friends to, uh, to pose, but we have been you know, like working off photographs quite a bit at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So how easy is it to get people to sit there? Um, well, I've got a thing on Facebook where I say, bring me your face, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I've, it's, I've got a few responses to that, yeah. Um, mm. But to, basically, it's, yeah, it is difficult. Uh, you know, I think people expect we want them to get all their gear off, and yeah. while that's a great thing sometimes, it doesn't have to be... Doesn't uh, have to be all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Now, you've got an exhibition coming up for midsummer. Yes. Now, what... what can we expect to see what type of paintings are you going to exhibit? Uh, it's all male imagery, uh, both of our works. We called the show "Painted and Pushed" because if he hadn't painted, I wouldn't have, and if I hadn't pushed, he wouldn't have had a show. <laughs> um, so, and uh, yeah, it's basically uh, just uh, all all male image. Okay. How did you decide? How many of each paintings did wall, you... Wall space. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, no, 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 how did you decide how many you were doing and Kwong was doing? We've got equal amount of wall space. Uh, <laughs> fill it up any way you like. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually uh, structured it as uh, two separate solo shows together in the same uh, spot. And uh, my, my works are quite autobiographical. Okay. It's um, 90% me. So nearly... <laughs> <laughs> now... Um, 
how can people find out about Midsummer and your exhibition? I think the best place is the website. Uh, the Midsummer website has all our details underpainted and pushed. Okay. And we have a website with all the paintings on www.grewilson.com.au. Okay, well, I hope it's successful for you. Thank you very much. And um, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's Thank a, you. It's our pleasure. Thank and you. After Thanks, all guys. these years, Kwong, you're back on On Driven. Yes, <laughs> it's like I'm coming home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is On Driven for another week. Uh, thanks to Kwong and Greg for coming in to the studio to talk to us. Don't forget to check out their Midsummer exhibition. I'm sure it will be great. I'm sure I am going to be. Thanks to Jess and Heath on program support this afternoon. Coming up next on Joy is Shah Power Show. So stay tuned for another great show from Shannon. First, uh, we've got the beautiful Helen, who's going to be reading the news. She's giving me a little smile now. <laughs> On Driven, we'll be back again the same time, 4 o'clock next Saturday afternoon, with more insights into our GLBTIQ community here in Australia and, of course, around the world. I'll just quickly mention, on the 28th of this month, we do have the 500th On Driven show. We'll be on air for two hours, um, bringing you little snippets of uh, past interviews, and we're actually going to have live singing in the studio, which I think is the first for On Driven. But as I said, um, Helen's waiting here to read the news, so have a great week, and from Mark and myself, bye-bye. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.